At this point, you should be on the frame with a film strip title that says Oral Hygiene. Waking up in the morning and feeling like crap. <laughs> well, not not <laughs> not really. Um, I, I don't feel that bad, but I didn't want to wake up quite that early. Um, <laughs> but this this is oral hygiene. It's a podcast. We talk about educational films, strange documentaries, experimental caught films. Gonna gonna start saying caught a little bit just to keep my options open there. Uh, yeah. This is Matt. Um, Hi, Andrew Shearer has been there trying not to laugh for some reason. Hey, what made me laugh? Hi, oral hygiene listeners. Um, what made me laugh is that was a deep cut right there, a deep cut reference. Wake it up and feeling like crap. What we've not talked about, I guess, is the fact that we were doing this before podcast existed. Yeah, there was no distribution at all. <laughs> well, we just did it because we were practicing for 2021. That's right. So uh, that that was our morning show, which, you know, when you're I guess you're a, a kid, you do feel like crap when you got to wake up for early school calls. So the <laughs> of a, a morning radio show to be a contrast to the enthusiastic morning DJs. Hey, <laughs> air horn guy. But we were like, <laughs> I'm like, here. You're really? here. We're going to do this. <laughs> I hate everything and everyone. Good morning. <laughs> That'd be a cool show. Anyway, uh, yeah, we were recording those about 1990, which is a good date for uh, today's today's film. One that we're just giving you a trailer, and you look like you're cute to say something. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. No, no. Today's film is Kid 90, a recent documentary that's uh, been spit out of the spitter about... Um, uh, Soul Moon Fry's documentary where she basically ran around with a camcorder in 1990 and um, filmed lots of stuff. Uh, that's Punky Brewster if you're not in the know. But um, with, with that said, do you want to give a four or five second um, more of a interesting plot on this one? Yeah. So um, the documentary was filmed by Soleil Moon Fry, who was a child star in the 1980s. And uh, she ended up documenting her teenage years in the 1990s in which uh, many people died that she knew. There we go. Okay. But yeah, I thought this was interesting because we were also people that ran around with camcorders at the same time at about the same age. Um, I think most of our cam footage though got erased when um, someone whose name I won't spit out was, was looking for footage of his dick. Oh, um... <laughs> Uh, I mean, okay. I just remember him recording over things (laughs) accidentally in the search. (laughs) Is this whole show going to be about that? Because it totally could be. Well, Uh, I mean, we can talk about whatever, but that could be one thing. So, (laughs) Uh, yeah, the the reason why um, Kid 90 is so relevant is because I was a kid when Punky Brewster was out. I remember seeing it and Soleil Moon Fry uh, was the child star. 
I remember there being dolls and toys and all that related to the Punky Brewster show. Then <clears throat> my teenage years were 1990 through 1996. And so uh, roughly the period when she was doing her documenting was, yeah, the period of time where I experienced uh, teenage life. And although Matt and I were not the celebrities then that we are today, um, we, um, there are definite ways that I personally connected with watching this, but it is, uh, it's, do you remember when she got the breast reduction? Like when that was a news item? Um, it's probably something where like I saw it flash on the TV. Like I was not unfamiliar when they got to the documentary, but it certainly didn't hit my power center. Yeah. I just remember like as a kid seeing that, and I seeing a picture of her with Edward Furlong, the kid from the Terminator movies, <clears throat> or I guess he was only in one of them, Terminator 2, huge movie in 1991. He's kind so of a dark fate. Yeah, yeah. And then, then there's, um, so they're holding hands, and I'm looking at Punky Brewster, and I had no idea that she was going through this. You know, after she disappeared from uh, regular primetime television, I had, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, child actors go down the toilet. Their life just goes gets you know, consumed by drugs, alcohol, bad friends, bad investments, and you know, next thing you know, they're dead before they're thirty. Um, I had no idea she was going through that, and my teenage mind went, "Why would you make your boobs smaller? They look awesome." But you know, I didn't know. And in the documentary, she details that, but that's only a little snippet of what it is. Uh, most of it is a, it's a, it's a time capsule wouldn't you say i mean do you recognize the world that she's got in these tapes yeah i, I mean i i brought up the erased video of our own because i just kept thinking of the time we went to the mall and kept filming ourselves as russian immigrants <laughs> yeah we did a lot gosh um <laughs> the years that we were in the band which would have been 93 92 ish we'll pull count field pigs in there 92 ish to 95 ish yeah we were um, out and about, I guess you could say. <laughs> and so, yeah, we taped ourselves doing a lot of things. I There are tapes that I, I have from that time that I rescued from being erased. But yeah, um, how did that guy film his dick? Like, what was the deal? He was drunk and he had a hole in his pants and he just started kind of tearing <laughs> them up because he I, was I, drunk and his penis was, comes out. I wasn't at that party i just remember being hey i want to see that footage we shot in the mall and then being some you know having it explained to me why i wasn't going to be able to see that no wasn't that a bummer yeah yeah so stuff in the mall was great so fortunately um so they had all the footage uh non-erased um a lot of it i did notice i wonder what kind of jobs they had to do on some of it i know some of the video was quite choppy which how does that happen with vhs it had an odd kind of uh, frame rate to it, and I'm not exactly sure why that was done. Um, I assumed it was a, a damage thing, but... It may have been, honestly, to take uh, frames out that were glitched out or bad or eaten or whatever, but there's a part that is filmed, because, you know, it's framed with uh, present-day um, interview footage with a lot of her and the people that lived through all of that, friends right. of hers. Um, and she pulls out this big like tub, right? And it's full of tapes. 
And so, you know, various formats, I'm sure over the years, she didn't shoot with just one camera. Um, often that means capture rates are different. And so you've got like 30 frames per second, 29, 25, 60, you know, whatever she was shooting on. And so all of that has to then be converted over. And I think it was just a post-production choice. You know, yeah. that's what I think. Yeah. My, my assumption was the, the actual footage looked pretty crap. So they were uh, kind of... I'm sure affecting it out which is which is fine you know you can do that so <laughs> yeah no um, it's um when i've captured our old stuff let's say when i've tried to uh capture and convert it over the years the times i've had i'm battling those tracking lines mm. you know yeah one, one thing i did notice just a little bit of sleight of hand here is uh not not that uh, they have like eight people at the end that have, have died since uh filming this stuff yeah. The film makes it happen. Or it makes it sound like it all happened like right at the time. Whereas at the end, when they show you the dates, it actually was over like a twenty-year period. Not not to besmirch anyone's death because they are all past. But it, it wasn't like they all just like because a few of like even Jonathan Brandis, I I actually felt like he was like like a mid '90s casualty, but he was two thousand one or something. Yeah, he was just outside of that. Jonathan Brandis, I think people already remember from uh, Sequest. Right, That's right. Show. Which I didn't watch, but at the same time, I guess because he was someone that was like pretty much right in our age and you know dying in like 2001, you know, I do remember I did note that at the time. Yeah. Did you ever like feel like you wished you'd gone to because we had a friend early on that went to California, right? Right. Did you ever sit there and go, man, how much cooler would it be than Doraville if I went to California and you know, you know, followed the dream of pursuing a life in entertainment not so much i just wanted to keep that particular uh band rolling so <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that was i never that was really did um, i i but i understand going to los angeles and standing there in you know hollywood boulevard and uh the, in the pantages there um i i got it i stood there and i went okay i get it you know i understand being in hollywood specifically feels different than being in other places i don't know if uh one could stand there and not realize that um, yeah I, so I, I i don't know if this metaphor holds any water but of course neither of us had stage moms or anything but i do remember my my mother signing me up for lots of surveys and things and that had kind of the feel going to the office it's not an audition or anything but um you know, like trying, try five sodas, watch these three pilot TV shows and tell us what you think. Who knows? Maybe, maybe I was getting, you know, mind control crap, but uh, <laughs> that'd be cool if just... I have repressed Zoolander memories. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was cool. I remember when you and I went to a restaurant and you were uh, like grading the food that was, you were doing that. Like you, you were. Uh, oh yeah. Cause they pay the bill for the for the food so yeah well, we're like cool let's get it and let's let's do this <laughs> anyway i i know that's different but i guess it was entering the system uh with with your mom kind of giving you a little nudge in was was sort of part of that thing because um i yeah, know but seeing what how and i know this is an overused word but how toxic that whole environment was um what hit me particularly was uh justin pierce and I can't remember Harold's last name, but they were from the movie Kids, mm. which in terms of 90s stuff, uh, Kids was the only movie I saw that I recognized anyone, like as in like authentic teenage depictions. 
because God knows we didn't identify with John Hughes teenagers, you know, or Friday the 13th teenagers. Kids did it. I mean, we knew people that dressed like that. We knew people that acted like that. You know, yeah, that, uh, that was actually a pretty notable film of the time, which they, I guess people don't talk about so much anymore. Oh, well, maybe now they will because it's here and this one seems to have some traction. But <laughs> yeah, there was a good retrospective on its 20th anniversary. I remember I can't remember what publication did it, but that was when I realized that some of them didn't live. I was really kind of saddened uh, by that. Um, but yeah, it was I, got, I could I could probably say the best documentary about 90s music did you ever see pearl jam 20 the that movie that cameron crow did i think i heard the soundtrack for it <laughs> it can't, um pearl jam 20 is probably the best 90s documentary i've ever seen in terms of talking about like how it really felt when that music culture was going on at least rock music culture uh but kid 90 i think it comes it's i would put it kind of in that same conversation it really does a great job of taking me back to teenage times, which I tend to not remember or forget about for the most part, not because I was drunk or high because I wasn't. And I was the one filming lots of times, a lot of parties. And that was part of why I rescued some tapes because I knew that people were probably erasing the originals. (laughs) Yeah. You got the regrettable things on video, but uh... (laughs) everything I ever did. It was stone cold sober decisions that I made. So I've got nothing and, um, to blame. Well, for teen years, I can claim that. So, <laughs> but um, oh, sorry, I just seen a note. Yeah, I guess the way that they're full of themselves is the same way that you know all of us are full of ourselves. There is a '90s strain of being full of shit, I guess, which <laughs> every one of our age is guilty of. I hate reading my old journals. I was a I've apologized to people. I mean, I've just, I've gone like, man, I was an asshole to you. Uh, I was just, I, I'm, I was a, a complete asshole and I apologize. I've apologized to more than one person. Uh, well, from- ev- everyone has to apologize for their teenage years, probably. <laughs> yeah. But I just, you know, I was in a cloud of, of hormones and reaction, reactionary behavior, as opposed to, any th- any kind of thought for the future or how how i sounded i had no concept of me you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i think it sound it seemed to me like slay was in constant like uh awareness of her surroundings and of herself i know she expressed a lot of kind of hindsight about those times and there was probably a reason why she stuck them all in that box you know she probably was like save file for later use right? <laughs> i'm, I'm saying here no. i was thinking of oh we should roll through some of the people we see in this movie and i am noticing like everyone's a dude you know <laughs> i wonder like, if she was growing up as having the one of the boys problem <laughs> you know that's a i mean that's a good point because even like leonardo dicaprio is is in one of those you got balthazar getty uh, you had, um, oh man, there was some, there was some pretty big actors from around that time yeah, too. Yeah, a little Dorf. weird to see. So, um, Stephen Dorff, right? Yeah. And then, um, oh, oh we're, I just wrote it down. Oh yeah, man, David Arquette has not aged well. <laughs> well, he's doing those weird wrestling things now. Uh, 
he's hurting himself. That's probably part of it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't recall any like women uh, seeing them around. There's, you know, what the, what the documentary does is good about putting names, you know, but there's these lo- long sections where you're like, oh God, that person was there. Holy shit, that person is there. And so in some of those, yeah, there, there are definitely some women, but you're right. Absolutely. There's seems to be like a, a long-term friend of hers. Um, that's present for most of it, but yeah, for the most part, it's very male centric. And I wonder. Yeah, um, I don't. Brian Austin Green shows up a lot, and I'm actually. I, I what was he on? I mean, I definitely know the name. He was on either Melrose Place or Nine O Two One O. Okay, I guess I didn't watch those, but no, I certainly recognize the name. Um, you know why I watched them? Because the girls that drove me places because I didn't have a car watched them <laughs> and i had to have something to talk to them about because uh, we had nothing in otherwise <laughs> <laughs> but uh who else do we get a glimpse of oh um who, who is your dream boat johnny depp or charlie sheen god <laughs> so one of them raped her uh that was um charlie sheen raped her yeah and they it is weird how they make it obvious without properly saying it i guess you that's a law it, thing a lawsuit maybe because it could be an accusation you know that could but i think at this point charlie sheen would be god i don't think anyone would be surprised to hear they did anything right i mean he's kind of like a well-known just kind of a how would you call him is that that's a criminal thing that he did i think mostly yeah. he's known for being out of his mind on drugs um but so he's sort of the Depp, villain of this movie, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he is. Oh, it was very. I didn't know that either, and that was terrible how she described what he did. Um, but Johnny Depp, yeah, I mean, I guess he wasn't punching women at that time. Yeah, I, I even the more recent stories, like I'm, I tend not to get too deep in celebrity news. It's just like, oh, people don't like this person anymore, which I've noticed he's been added onto that hit parade. Uh, no fun. Yeah, it's just a thing where you know men misbehave, celebrity males misbehave. It's kind of like the uh, boys will be boys thing. But as soon as a you know a women are afraid because their careers can be often more short lived than men, so nobody wants to rock the boat or ruffle anyone's feathers because they want to continue to work. But right. at a point, it just became, you know, forget that we're. <laughs> We're going to tell all because uh, instead of being catty, they all began to actually support each other. Right. Um, I guess that was Alan versus Pharaoh. Do you know about that show? Was that Alan versus Pharaoh? Nope. You're going to have to tell me that one. Oh man. It's a, it's a four part docu-series about uh, Mia Pharaoh and Woody Allen. Oh, okay. I've, I've seen a, I mean, I haven't watched it, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's a tale. <laughs> That that whole thing is yeah I watched the whole thing so you know it's just like, I think that was like in the nineties because that was in the nineties and now people would just be like you know they'd be he'd be instantly banished where people at the time well I guess I'm still gonna go see Woody Allen's new movie and people were also like he's still a genius that I need to work with in order to advance my career you know mm. right. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. I, just getting a, a little bit lighter. Uh, there's lots of terrible hair in this movie, of course. 
<laughs> Mostly from, from the from the dudes. I mean, yeah, I guess the nineties yeah, are yeah. good for for bad male hair. I had bad hair, yeah. No, I just found a shot with with you in the shot where I have the uh, Kyle McLaughlin showgirls cut. So <laughs> that's better than what that that's aged better than what I had. Yeah, I was just out of control. Um, but yeah, they had that. Sorry. Uh, da, da, da. Oh, oh, and then the have you seen um this is the Lonely Islands Roz Trent video? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because they were kind of doing the real version of this with their their Rastafar eye. I was like, no, don't say that. <laughs> no, the guy, that's so true. I didn't even think about it, but that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> what else do I have? Oh yeah. I, I was never I never liked jump around. I I, I was always more entranced by the dulcet tones of onyx <laughs> oh yeah jump around oh god um okay so there's a whole section in the movie where um soleil moon fry has delayed delay, uh, dated rather uh danny boy member of the group house of pain house of pain was a white hip-hop group um that was mostly um powered by some really great um work from the dj um this was around the time that cypress hill was out so dj mugs really started started that whole there was a, a unique production sound that ended up making its way into uh like ice cubes predator record had it all over it um but um so house of pain i saw their concert because they played with helmet and um sausage which was one of many less claypool um offshoot groups so i was there for well i have to admit i didn't know sausage existed i just knew less claypool from primus uh, I was there for Helmet, but we had to watch House of Pain first. Mm-hmm. That's what you guys say about that. Got it. <laughs> all you got is jump around. And yeah. if you think about it, jump around is really only a, how long is the hook in jump around? A few seconds? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's about as far as anyone was interested in them. You can basically loop that song in your head and probably not miss a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I can actually say, yes, I've seen, seen uh, House of Pain perform. I don't know. I, I guess both of us were in band. So when I, they had a DJ at least, but yeah, when I mean, now it's almost a standard where a pop band is not going to have any instruments and in, maybe or even lip syncing vocals. So I mean, I was um, at UGA, I was worked with the university union. So I was actually backstage when destiny's child went on. So I knew exactly what was canned and what wasn't. So of course the main thing was the dance routines. Yeah. All of the backing vocals were canned and um, the lead vocals, like Beyonce would sing lead on most of the songs, but when it got to the singles, they'd can the singles, they'd can the hits. <laughs> and it was just, they were just lip syncing on stage. So I was like, that's, kind of sucks but i don't know i mean you know there's a certain thing where people want to i guess see the dancing and the pyrotechnics and there's other people i want to go to a concert to see how that guy's gonna shred tonight man yeah no it's uh 90s were an interesting time for music it was a big kind of jumble and shift um you had a lot of things kind of coming out new and a lot of things getting you know mass attention new and it was a struggle for media to keep up and um, I think, oh, God, they're listening to in Kid 90. There was some stuff I hadn't heard in forever that's like playing. So they must have had to license it for the documentary. Uh, it was. Oh, uh, Head Like a Hole. Um, right. The Nine Inch Nails song. 
Right. That, that's that's on like, my iPhone. <laughs> you had everybody jamming their head like a whole, and I'm like, I have not heard that in forever. Probably since like 92 when I bought it, right? No, that's when I have heard more recently. Like it's it's actually on my phone, which doesn't have tons of storage. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we have some of these 90s albums still hanging okay. out. I kept no, the- I, I- I kept expecting Evan Dando to show up in this one. I don't think he did, but. <laughs> yeah. Lemonheads don't go over well. My kid doesn't like it. She doesn't like really any male singer. Oh, uh, I was just actually, I just recently uh, had a, a bit of a run through with, with the limit listening to the Lemonheads again, those uh, three nineties albums that uh, tend to be the attention getters. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't really go for, I mean, Kid 90, I'll say this, it did put me back there. And that's a big deal because I've seen a lot of things that are supposed to take place in the 90s or that are about the 90s that didn't really put me there. Kid 90 really put me there. So in that regard, I think it's it's a really notable thing. But I still, I don't really listen to the music I listen to in the 90s. I don't watch the movies I watched in the night. I don't do, I don't even think about really teenage times at all. No, actually, I was I was thinking recently. Um, like, a, I have a especially on my iPad, which has more storage. I was like, man, a, a lot of the stuff I did have on cassette tape on the on the school bus. So, I guess, yeah. Um, I mean, there, there is some music. Um, you mentioned Les Claypool, so Primus is one where I hear now. I'm definitely like, eh, no. <laughs> um, it's just, it's just so. And there's some things I honestly associate with crappy things. I, I found so, Alice in Chains being somewhat unlistenable now i um, don't unless it it's, unless it plays in a movie i you know what i mean i just don't hear it um i'm not gonna besmirch chris cornell's talent or anything but i do have trouble listening to his singing not because you know he depressingly passed on but because it's just too much <laughs> yeah no no i i'm with you man i'm just so <clears throat> I guess the, tr- the the real like success of Kid 90 really is that it manages to like like step over being a nostalgia trip and keeps its storyline in place. Yeah. I guess as I, I I guess some some of my cassette tapes that were like cool at the time though you know the Dead Milkman's Metaphysical Graffiti or Joy Division's Unknown Pleasures you know that's sure. not really like bad early 90s music anyway so. Um, they didn't license that here, so yeah. <laughs> I um, I was I'm sitting here saying I don't listen to, but there's things I still remember. I quote all the time because, as you recall, I was a big stand-up comedy listener. Um, and so I still quote Andrew Dice Clay from "The Day the Laughter Died" Part One, uh, because <clears throat> at one point in the show, which is done uh, in front of a christmas eve audience there's hardly anyone there and he's just like it's all free form it's not his usual stuff in fact he gets angry with the audience when people yell out jokes that they want him to do he's like you know go wipe your ass with that but the quote the quote that i have said many times is he goes it's not about laughter it's about comedy (laughs) (laughs) i just love that because it you know it doesn't matter you don't have to laugh for it to be funny it doesn't matter if anyone gets it you don't even have to get it just out with it the best I like later that. George Carlin stuff. And I actually prefer later George Carlin is where he goes like 15 minutes without even telling a joke. Yeah, he was on another level. And I still, yeah, I still enjoy the, that stuff. So I can't say I don't listen to anything I listened to as a teenager. 
Uh, I was listening to uh, Liquid Swords the other day, so that counts. But um, yeah, for the most part, uh, no, I can't tell you when I've heard. Last mm-hmm. time I'd heard, so my favorite movie was Evil Dead Two in the '90s, and I haven't watched Evil Dead Two since the '90s. And then um, I guess what was my favorite band? Chili Peppers. I still, I still get all their new stuff. So there yeah. you go. They left me cold for a few years, but I, I did actually get into their last album. Well, I think if you've heard my new set of music, I accidentally made a couple of Chili Pepper tracks. Though someone responded and said, did you make a Gang of Four tribute album? I was like, yeah, that's probably cooler. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, we'll just say that. But no, I, uh, yeah, I still like them. Um, as far as Kid 90, is there any anything else you want to... Uh, press on this one as we i mean we're going on 90s tangents all relevant but uh <laughs> yeah no this is great stuff man this is i'm glad we talked about this i'm glad you picked this yeah i uh, mean i guess the thing is to if you live through the time it's you're not focusing so much on her as you know comparing your own experience when you watch this yeah it's it's a i'll say it's a trip it's not something i usually use to describe people but it it is in in all ways it's definitely doesn't it did, definitely did a number on me i'll say and, uh, you know, but a thought I did have was like, man, if this, if Soleil Moonfry had been my friend, she would have been fine because none of us were, you know, burnouts or, or dickheads or, you know what I mean? Like none of us were going to beat anybody up or hurt anybody. Right. Right. We, uh, right. I was just like, man, we could have hung out, but you know, <laughs> well, we, we weren't in LA or New York, so. <laughs> no, there was no Yollywood, as they call Georgia now. Oh, okay. I haven't heard that. That one's new. Okay, it's. I guess it's well, better in Hotlanta. <laughs> well, Yollywood because it's a, uh, you know, it's a film. You know, a lot of movies and shows are made here now. Yeah, there was some, oh, there was something I was just watching. And I definitely recognized an Atlanta site. I know. I know Black Panther has the Museum of Great Britain, which is. <laughs> You know, yep. for people from Atlanta, it's like, what? <laughs> no, that was entirely made at Tyler Perry Studios. Um, no, uh, I, if you honestly want to see the coolest, like, Atlanta-based movie, uh, the remake of Superfly, which is actually a really great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know the TV show Atlanta showed scummy parts of town that I recognize. Like, uh, the, the first episode where it's like that dodgy liquor store. That liquor store is that dodgy, and I was terrified in the sitting in the car, the parking lot of that place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Atlanta, it is. You know, they 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 can't call a show that and not have it be instantly recognizable for people that live there. You know, well, it's it's all like the back, not the back streets, but it's all like it's not like the big stuff. It's like you know, like apartment complexes and stuff. I was like, I know that place. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. that's kind of cool. It is, man, because um, I guess it's kind of like when people do a Georgia accent in a movie, right? You instantly go wrong, <laughs> wrong, terrible. So when someone gets it, it's rare, but it, you know it because it's, you know, you, you recognize the, the nuance. What's, what's more fun is the, uh, the Tennessee version. I was uh, our, our mutual friend, Mark, we were, we were dri- I think we were driving to Chicago or something, but we stopped at this uh, rest area in Tennessee. And there are a couple of maintenance men working on the machines. And, you know, we're from the South. We can understand a Southern accent. These guys are just, like, do you understand, like, a word they said? 
<laughs> not only was it authentic frontier gibberish <laughs> yeah really <laughs> it was just like it, it didn't even tell like words you know and i'm like okay i i don't speak especially now i don't speak with a heavy heavy southern accent i'm like what really <laughs> when i'm tired or excited mine sort of comes out i will say this are we can this be the this can this be the final thing yeah sure kid okay i got a story um so uh i was in the van which is where a lot of these stories begin um our drummer dan this was probably 93 or 94 teardrop window got through that in yes yes yeah and so uh there was a, a guy that was friends with Jeff, who uh, I actually hung out with last year uh, when he came through Athens. Um, and I've seen him before in, in uh, Florida as well when I did convention there. Uh, this guy named Jason, his friend, he brought, a, brought to ride with us. We're probably riding to a gig or something. And so Jason's bananas. I mean, I don't... I wish I could say he was on something, but I don't think he was. I think he genuinely, his elevator didn't go to the top, as they say. So, uh, or what do they say? The the wheels turning, but the hamster dead. (laughs) (laughs) So he, I just kept laughing at it because he was, he was clearly, I mean, every, everything he said was just off the wall. Everything he did, he had a crazy laugh. I was just like, this is it. What's going on here? And finally, he acknowledges me and goes, hey, this guy will laugh at anything I do. And to prove his point, he slams his head as hard as he can against the wall inside the van. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to laugh at that. (laughs) And so I crack up and he's like, (laughs) <laughs> he tries to say, see, I told you, but he can't form words because he's basically knocked himself out. <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to assume he was tripping, but. <laughs> I mean, I was around people that were a lot, but uh, I can't say for the guy. I use his real name, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he definitely was, a, a, you know, just a physical comedy go for it kind of guy. We'll see. Need to be in LA. He's in the wrong place. That's the problem. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe being Soleil would have been homies. I don't know. Is he still um, alive? I hope so, but debatable. There's a yeah, the law of averages is not gonna go definitive on that <laughs> one. <laughs> Science pointed head. So um I, I guess you said that that was your last thought. So you wanna tell folks where to find your subsequent thoughts okay so uh my friends and i here in athens we make movies under the name of gonzorific which actually began as a zine in the 90s for those who uh, are curious about the history of it it was actually a zine first and then uh, began as a blog in 98 we make movies now and have for the past 20 years this is our 20 year anniversary 2021 and um yeah Gonzorific, G-O-N-Z-O-R-I-F-F-I-C. Just Google that and it'll take you to our store where you can buy the movies, take you where you can stream them and stuff, take you to YouTube, watch them for free, all of that. 
and this blog is this blog this is a podcast this ain't no blog uh <laughs> rl hygiene pod at twitter and facebook you can hit us up there and um i make music not in the 90s but i have a relatively newish album up at rovingsagemedia.bangcamp.com so um i don't know i guess there's just a few 90s sounds there but uh i like to i like to think it's timeless i don't know probably not <laughs> a friend of mine was moving and i was over at her house and she had this amp and guitar sitting there and uh and she was like don't you play guitar you want to play it and i was like okay and so i kept fiddling with it until i got the sound i wanted and then i began to play and she goes oh god you're so 90s (laughs) (laughs) verdict is in (laughs) there there you go (laughs) yeah i I think i can at least avoid that trap i do remember when i first started playing though like like i could figure out how to play like you know nirvana and Soundgarden riffs and all that but like i couldn't play anything from the 60s (laughs) i mean now i can no problem but it was just it's interesting that yeah when i first started learning i was like stuck in that grunge hole i guess Stuck in the grunge well, hole. That was when I really learned around that time. So those were this. We'd get the guitar magazine to learn how to play them from the magazine, and the magazine would just have popular rock songs, and that was just that era. What can I say? Yeah, I guess we didn't know the uh, the open chords, the cowboy chords, so well at the time. <laughs> what would we have done, honestly? Power chords. All you need is power chords, and oh, drop D if you're lazy. <laughs> you know, it made the point. Yeah. <laughs> okay well listeners will catch you another time um i do try and keep these youtube centric but this one all you're gonna get is a trailer you got to track this one down on your own so in the u.s it is on hulu right so there's a there's a place to hit it up but i'll feature zane i had no clue how to how to end there you don't have to <laughs> Did you advance the film strip? Are you on the final page? Well done.